This program is brought to you by Abiding Above Ministries. Take God's Word and turn to Luke chapter 14. Luke chapter 14, the title of this message is Though None Go With Me. Religion is very popular in our day. There are bracelets, necklaces, bumper stickers, Bible covers, pens, pencils, t-shirts bearing the name of Jesus. It has become fashionable to sing about him almost as if he is our boyfriend or our girlfriend instead of the fact that he's Lord. The name Jesus is being used with sarcasm. It quips and quotes to fight back at the secular world. The membership of the Southern Baptist is reported to be about 16.3 million. Five million of these are reported as non-resident members. That means we can't really find them. Each Sunday, an average of six million attend a worship service. Four million attend Sunday school. And one million of these statistics have shown are not yet to be genuinely born again. My friend, the church in America is in trouble. More than 90% of churches in America are in plateau or decline. Pastors are leaving our churches every single Sunday. They're leaving. Not only that, they're going back into secular work. George Barna, highly respected Christian pollster, reports that upon high school graduation, 88% of students stop attending church. Now let's remember this. These supposedly are our future leaders. Do you remember the old hymn, I have decided to follow Jesus? You remember that? I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. Though I may wonder, I still will follow. The world behind me, the cross before me. Though none go with me, still I will follow. Will you decide now to follow Jesus? No turning back. No turning back. That's what I'm asking you to do this evening. We've talked about the grace of God. We've talked about Christ being in you by the Holy Spirit. We've talked about what it means to be in Christ, Jesus, and how that heals your mind, your will, and your emotions and makes you a whole person. We talked about how to walk under the power and control of the Holy Spirit. But my friend, there comes a time in your life, and I'm not being legalist. I'm not trying to make you feel guilty tonight. But there comes a time in your life, my friend, where you need to say, though none go with me, I'm going to follow him. Regardless of my wife, regardless of my husband, regardless of my children, my grandchildren, regardless of my pastor, my deacons, regardless of my community, I have made a decision, no matter what, though none go with me, I'm going to follow him. I will be a disciple of Jesus Christ. That's what we need, believers, to do. And the last thing you need to do, and I don't want you to do this tonight, I want you to have tunnel vision. I want you to have blinders on. I want you to think one thing. God, what would you have me to do? Because I want to tell you, if you begin to look to your left or look to your right, you'll be discouraged. Because most people are not 
true, genuine followers of Jesus Christ. They're Christians, but they're not disciples. And that's what we're going to be looking at tonight. We're talking about discipleship. Do you remember the old hymn, I am resolved? I am resolved no longer to linger, charmed by the world's delight. Things that are higher, things that are nobler, these have allured my sight. I am resolved to go to the Savior, leaving my sin and strife. He is the true one. He is the just one. He hath the words of life. I am resolved to follow the Savior, faithful and true each day. Heed what he saith, do what he willeth. He is the living way. I am resolved to enter the kingdom, leaving the paths of sins. Listen to this. Friends may oppose me. Foes may beset me. Still will I enter in. I am resolved. And who will go with me? Come, friends, without delay. Taught by the Bible, led by the Spirit, we'll walk the heavenly way. My friend, it's time. It's time for each of us to say with all of our heart, Though none go with me, I still will follow. This will involve us in, number one, total devotion. I'm calling you tonight to total devotion. Not what your wife might do. Not what your husband might do. Or children or grandchildren. I'm calling individuals. Listen, you're going to die and stand before the Lord by yourself. And when you're standing there by yourself, my friend, you want to hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. And so, I'm calling us to total devotion. Now, in Luke chapter 14, I want to begin by reading verse 26. These words of our Lord, Jesus says, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother. Now, those are strong words, my friend. Stronger than what I just said a moment ago about husband and wife and children. Jesus said, And these are his words. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters yet, and his own life also, he cannot notice. He didn't say maybe. He said he cannot be my disciple. Notice what he said here. Although he was looking into the faces of a large crowd, he seems to be only talking to a few. He says, he says, if anyone comes to me. My friend, he's calling you today. And he's asking you this. Will you step out of this religious crowd and be my disciple without looking back? Will you be the one who does this? Now, when I say this, I'm not pitting you against one another. I'm not pitting you against the church. I'm not wanting you to have the spirit of the elder brother. That's part of what's wrong with our Southern Baptist Convention is this spirit of the elder brother. I'm not doing that. I'm saying this, where you come to a point in your life knowing that I'm in Christ and Christ is in me, I choose to, I'm going to be a disciple and follower of Jesus Christ. Though none go with me, I'm going to follow him. I'm not comparing myself with others. I'm not competing. I'm not trying to outdo anyone. I'm being all I can be for the person of Jesus Christ. And that's what he's calling. 
And as, as I read through these passages, and this has been on my heart for several years, this message. Jesus sounded kind of harsh in what I'm going to say tonight. He sounded, kind, he sounded harsh, firm. He said anyone, and the people who were following him at that moment, they loved him. They loved to listen to him and watch him. They wanted him. And then he says, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, his own life also, he cannot, not maybe, he cannot be my disciples. You see, after Jesus wooed men, he would then challenge them. And it is at this point that we can safely separate the Christian from the disciple. A Christian is one who has received Jesus into his heart. A disciple is one who has surrendered everything to Jesus and is following him faithfully even unto death. A disciple is one who has this mindset in principle and practice. Though none go with me, I still will follow. You see, the true, genuine disciple will love Jesus Christ supremely. There's total devotion. Every other love in our lives must seem like hate compared to our love for the Lord Jesus Christ. You say, well, that's, that's too strong. Well, my friend, you'll have to take it up with Jesus because those are exactly his words. That doesn't mean you hate your family. And when I say that about husband and wife, don't think about one another at this point on making disciples. You have to come to a point where you say, no matter what any of my family, any of my friends do, I'm choosing to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. Because if you begin to look around, you will not do this. You won't do it. Total devotion is simply the fulfillment of Mark chapter 12, verse 30, where Jesus said, You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul and with all of your mind and with all of your strength. You see, a disciple totally devoted will be engaged in the work Jesus did. When we are following him, we will walk as he walked, speak as he spoke, and live as he did and love as he did. When we are following Jesus, we are demonstrating the Father to a lost and dying world. For the last few days, I've been talking about Christ living in you, living through you. And when it's real and genuine, not an imitation, not trying to appear to be Christian, but when you're living surrender, this very God in the presence of the Holy Spirit who spoke these words about discipleship, that very one is in you and me. He's in us by the Spirit of God. And He's calling us to live a life surrendered absolutely yielded to Him. Is it possible for people like us to live out Christ in this present day? It is, as we yield to the Holy Spirit. It's the only way. You see, the true disciple will count the cost. He will weigh his worldly attachments against the demands of the cross, and he will enter into the race knowing that it will cost him everything he has for the sake of Jesus Christ. His work demands that everything be placed on the altar of sacrifice. Those who are willing find a grace for living that the rest never experience. They will find a peace that others cannot comprehend. They will know the power 
of God by the power of His Spirit. You know what Jesus is telling us is this. Anyone can come to Christ and be saved. They can miss hell by putting their trust in Jesus Christ to save them. But it costs everything to be a disciple of Jesus Christ as far as what we know in our worldly possessions. You see, there are many who are saved. And they know they're saved. But they also know that their Christian life is not what they thought it would be. As I say over and over again, deep inside of them, this is what they're thinking. I must know something I don't know. And what's been preached here this past week, the grace of God, Christ in you, you in Christ, is what they're longing to know, coupled with what it means to be a fully devoted disciple of Jesus Christ. So many people continue to follow God at a guilty distance. Listen, every Christian has the potential through Christ in him to be all God intends him to be. Do you remember when Israel, back in the Old Testament, was combining the worship of Jehovah God with Baal? You see it in 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 21. Listen to this verse. And Elijah came to all the people and said, How long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. But the people answered him not a word. My friend, it's time for us to get off the fence. I mean, we, it's, it's time for us to stop being lukewarm. It's time to do what you've always intended to do. I'm going to. I'm going to get my retirement squared away. I'm going, to, I'm going to learn my Bible. I'm going to read all the way through my Bible. I'm going to get myself ready, and then I'm going to do something. Listen, I don't think we have much longer. It's time. What God is calling for you and me is total devotion. And my friend, this total devotion is above the family life. We must love Jesus Christ more than personal relationships. Again, Jesus said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, he cannot be my disciple. That is shocking language. You know, Jesus intended it to be shocking language. He was trying to get our attention. He, he got my attention as I read through this passage. See, Jesus often used a startling, penetrating paradox to make his point. He wanted his listeners to have to think about the stringent demands that he's making. You see, the clear teaching of Scripture is that we are to honor our father and mother. We see that in Mark chapter 7, verses 9 through 13, and that men are to love their wives as Jesus loved the church. We see that in Ephesians 5.25. What Jesus is saying in a paradoxical fashion is that our love for Him must be so great and so pervasive that our natural love of self and family pales in comparison. My friend, your relationship with your family will be more wonderful when Jesus has rightful place in your life. That's because we can love them with a redemptive love instead of a selfish love. You see, Jesus is saying our love for Him must outshine all other loves, even the love we feel for our families. Remember his statement in Matthew chapter 10, verse 37. He who loves his family or mother more than me is not worthy of me. 
And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Now, when I first started the message, you thought, wow, hate mother and father? That's strong language. Jesus had a lot of strong language in this matter of discipleship. He's saying, you're not worthy of me if you love your son or daughter more than me. You see, the choice of discipleship is not always easy. Sometimes the decision for Jesus will put us at odds with someone we love. This total devotion is not only above family life, but it's also above the self-life. Listen to what he says again in verses, uh, verse 26 of Luke 14. He says, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own life, also he cannot be his disciple. He's saying you have to hate your family, you have to hate even your own life in comparison to your love for him. It's as if you hate your family and yourself. I know this seems strange. This seems hard. But do you think Jesus meant what he said? He did. You say, well, I just don't understand this. Trust me. If you love Jesus Christ with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, to the degree it's almost as if you hate yourself and your family, you will be able to love your family more. That's true. Total devotion. Second thing I want us to look at is total identification. Look at verse 27 of Luke 14. And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. And also in Luke 9, 23, listen to this. Jesus said, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. You see, the cross, my friend, is not just a symbol that you wear on a necklace. See, what he's talking about here is not caring for a disabled child or dealing with a nagging wife or a nagging husband. Some people say, my wife is my cross to bear or my husband is my cross to bear. He's not talking about that. Here, Jesus is evoking an image familiar to everyone in that day. And this image is of a convicted criminal stumbling to his death carrying the very instrument of that death, a cross. The cross was not an implement of irritation or inconvenience. It was an implement of death. You see, when those criminals would would pick up the cross and go to be crucified, they would walk through the city streets. And the people knew as they walked by, this man is going to die on that cross. That's his cross that he's bearing, and he's going to die on it. This man is going to walk through this way, up that way, where he will be crucified until he's dead. This man will never walk back this way again. You know what Jesus is saying? Listen, Jesus is saying you are to be a devoted follower of mine. You are to be my disciple. And you need to identify, take up your cross. That cross is talking about identification with him and his death, burial, and resurrection. And you need to see yourself as having made a decision, though none go with me, I'm going to follow him. I'm going to live the crucified life. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And though none go with me, I'm going to follow him, and I won't be coming back this way again. 
I've made a decision. I've put a line in the sand. It's no longer I, but Christ. I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ. You see, bearing His cross means being crucified with Christ. You see that clearly in Galatians 2.20. To understand fully bearing His cross, you need to look at what Paul had to say about it in Galatians. Galatians 5.24, it talks about the death to the flesh. Paul said, in those who are Christ, listen to this, have crucified the flesh, in Galatians 5.24, with its passions and desires. We talked the other night about what the flesh is. Flesh, take that word flesh, drop the H, turn the word around backwards, it spells self. It's the three musketeers, me, myself, and I. It's that corrupt human nature, that inborn tendency to evil in all men received by inheritance from our first parents, Adam and Eve. You see, when you truly are a follower of Jesus Christ, you see yourself as nailed to the cross with Jesus Christ, crucified with Him. That is your cross. And He says, pick up your cross and follow me and don't look back. You're dead to that. You're alive to me and straight ahead. But not only is it death to the flesh, but it's life in the Spirit. He is in you now. The Father was in Jesus as He lived on earth. In that same way, that same Jesus by the presence of the Holy Spirit is within you. Paul said in Galatians 5, 25 and 26, he says, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. You say, Chris, how do we do this? You're saying, Chris, if, if I've made up my mind, no matter what my family does, for me it's going to be, though none go with me, I still follow. I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ. No turning back, no turning back. Chris, how do I do that? The same way Jesus did it. Remember, He was man inhabited by God. Theologians call Jesus the God-man. Remember what Jesus said in John chapter 8, verse 28. Jesus said this. He says, I do nothing of myself, but as my Father taught me, I speak these things. He said in John chapter 14, verse 10, Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority. But the Father who dwells in me, He does the works. Do you see what I'm saying? This week I've been talking about Christ living in you in the presence of the Holy Spirit. And then I've talked about you being in Christ. Do you realize what Jesus was just talking about? When He was on the earth, He was both God and man. Do you realize the way Jesus lived on this earth is the same way you and I lived on this world? He was, he had God in him and he just said, I'm in God. And he's saying, I'm totally dependent on him. He said, I don't do anything or say anything except him who I hear. You say, well, if that's the way Jesus was, well, then that's the way I ought to be. That same Jesus who said that lives in you and me. I mean, the same one who said this is the one who lives in you and me. 
Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? You can say as a born-again Christian, you can stand on this platform and you can say to the congregation, I am in Christ and Christ is in me. That is a true statement. And that's what Jesus was saying about himself while he was still alive during that 33 years on this earth. He does not need to give you or me anything else to live the Christian life. He gave us himself and that's all that we need. To be satisfied is total dependence and surrender on Him who lives in us is satisfaction 100%. To be a dissatisfied Christian, you cannot blame it on pastor, you cannot blame it on deacons, on church members, on husband, on wife, on children, on grandchildren, on community, on how bad the world is, Democrats, Republicans, President, you, if you're dissatisfied as a Christian, it's because you're walking and following God at a guilty distance. Because what you're saying is somehow that is stronger than Him who lives in me. And nothing is stronger than that. But you say, why am I dissatisfied though I'm a Christian? Why am I sad in my church and sad in my family and sad in my community? And why do I struggle with depression? This is why. It's because you're keeping the Spirit of God held back in your life by self. Instead of seeing self crucified on the cross and allowing Him to live in and through you by the Holy Spirit. Pastors can beg and plead with their congregation to get up and do all kinds of things. But if they don't know this message, you're going to get more of the same. More flesh. Jesus said in John chapter 15 verse 5, He said, I'm the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For without me, you can do. What's happening in most churches these days? I'm not being critical. What's happening in most churches these days? Nothing. Membership of Southern Baptists is reported to be about 16.3 million. Five million of these are reported as non-resident members. That means they can't find them. Eighty-eight percent of students stop attending church, Southern Baptist churches. You know what's happened to us. You know what it is. See, we don't see how bad it is because we're so busy in church. We got a system. We got a program. Everything's in place. What we need to do is come to church and everybody just quiet, get quiet, and sit still and listen. No music, no preaching, no nothing. Just sit and listen. I believe people would fall under conviction if we would just do that. If everybody say, meet in the sanctuary, don't say anything for one hour. You'd have people go away angry, grumbling, complaining, and some people would get under conviction. Because that's probably the first time in a long time that they sit in silence with no radio, television, or something going. We're so busy doing church that we've lost why we're even there. Church needs to be far more simplistic than what it is. But not only death to the flesh and life in the Spirit, but there needs to be eyes on the cross when you think about total identification. Galatians 6.14, Paul says, But God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom... 
The world has been, listen, the world has been what? Crucified what? To me and I to the what? World. In other words, when a person says, though none go with me, I still will follow. I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ. No matter what anybody else is doing, I'm going to follow him. Why? Because the world is crucified to me and I'm to the world. I'm dead to this, but I'm alive to the Holy Spirit. Not out of Christ. You see, the cross is a symbol that reminds us of what the world did to Jesus. And what Jesus did for each one of us. And the answers to the world's problems is still the cross of Jesus Christ. That is the answer. Total devotion. Total identification with Him and His crucifixion on the cross with you and me. And then third and last thing is total surrender. Total surrender. Luke chapter 14 verse 33. So likewise... Whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. There can be no turning back. I've decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. What does that mean? That means total surrender of physical comfort. Luke 9 Verses 57 and 58, listen to this passage. Now it happened as they journeyed on the road that someone said to him, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, and you know, when you read this, you think, man, Jesus was hard. The first fruit of the Spirit is what? Love. The Trinity is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was in Jesus. The first fruit of the Spirit is love. And we read about the love of Jesus, the compassion of Jesus. The cross proves it. But then this same Jesus, when someone says, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go, this same loving Lord Jesus said this, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. You see, when, when, you, when we make up our mind total surrender, this means even of physical comforts. You see, this young man was sincere, but he had not really thought it all through. He was only responding out of enthusiasm. He had not counted the cost. It will not be easy. It will not be glamorous. Total surrender of financial security. You know, sometimes when you're called into ministry at a young age, that can be wonderful. But a lot of it can just be caught up in enthusiasm. The good thing about being called into ministry late in life is you have more of a realistic view of what you're doing, what you're getting into. And I remember when I left the railroad, the big thing for me was financial security. And I walked away from that. And I was afraid. And for some time after I left... I I was afraid. I just, I thought, I thought maybe I had blown it because I wasn't even sure God had called me to preach at that time. I was too shy to preach. I thought God called me maybe into a counseling ministry. Now I can't shut up. (laughs) Isn't that something? (laughs) What the Spirit of God does? But 
we have to be surrendered of physical comforts. And when I left Bellevue, you know, I thought, man, I don't know what this is going to mean. I really thought we could eventually have to sell our house and really scale down and everything. And and then when I started getting invited to go overseas for two and a half to three weeks at a time and oh, stay in some horrible places. I mean, bad. But you know, the Spirit of God rises up within you and you just you just keep moving forward under the power and control of the Holy Spirit and it's like those things don't get you down. Yeah, they're hard and they're tough, but at the same time, you're on a mission. They're momentary light afflictions, as Paul called them. Then he said in uh, Luke nine fifty nine through 60, then he said to another, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and preach the kingdom of God. You see, back in those days, the custom was when someone died, you buried him the same day. What this person was wanting, he was wanting some time to get his inheritance, and then he was going to follow Jesus with a pocketbook full of money. When Jesus is talking about total surrender, he's talking about you're walking away from it all and you're trusting him. There's a total surrender of personal conditions. In Luke 9, 61 and 62, and another also said, Lord, I will follow you, but first let me go and bid them farewell who are at my house. But Jesus said to him, no one, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. You see, this person was willing to follow him, but he had personal conditions. Let me go set everything in order, and then I'm going to follow you. Well, see, this is what happens. If you think that way, I'm going to get everything together, and then I'm going to work for Jesus. If you make a personal condition on the front end, that's the way you will be your entire Christian experience, always making personal conditions on on how you're going to serve God. What He wants you and me to do, He wants us to say, though none go with me, I will follow Him no matter what. And you move out. And you follow Him in whatever He calls you to do. In Luke chapter 17, verses 32 through 36, it talks about, Jesus said, remember Lot's wife? Whoever seeks to save his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life will preserve it. You see, if you're always thinking uh, about me, my life, uh, my possessions, my checkbook, my house, my car, if you're always thinking these things, and I I know part of that you have to think of to exist, but if those things can become gods in your life, little gods in your life, Jesus said in Luke twenty two forty two, if you remember, Jesus said, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. You see, in this passage, when Jesus was walking and these people were following him and they loved him, they wanted to hear what he had to say. They were hoping to see a miracle. And there are all these people following him. And then he turned. And he said, if anyone will come after me. He said anyone. Because you know what? He knew most of that crowd would never do it. Now this is not a large crowd here. But if Jesus said that to you in the flesh, physically he was right here. He said that to you. 
Would you be one of those who intended to, but never really did do it? Or would you say, no, I'm the one that will say, though none go with me, I'll follow him the rest of my life. That's it. I'm dead to that. I'm alive to this. Though none go with me, I follow. And so, I want to ask you, will you live a crucified life? It's no longer I who live, but Christ. Will you follow Him at any cost as an individual? you remember what the Bible said about Jesus? Jesus set His face like a flint towards Jerusalem. He never did look back. If you're thinking about doing this, you never will. If you're not sitting in your seats right now thinking, that will be me. You're never going to do this. The reason you have never is because you've never intended to. We do what we intend to do. In 1993, I had the privilege of going with Dr. Rogers to uh, the Holy Land. And uh, we were on our tour of the Holy Land, and we came to one place, and uh, there was a big lake out there. And I was standing there next to Dr. Rogers, and he said, watch this, Chris. There was a, a shepherd coming from up this way to this lake to water his sheep. And there was another shepherd coming up from this side, and he was going to water his sheep. And, and you could see they were going to get there at the same time. He said, watch this. He said, you only get to see this every now and then in the Holy Land. And they got there, and all of a sudden those sheep just all mixed and mingled. And I'm thinking, I said, Dr. Rogers, I said, uh, how are they going to separate these sheep? This man may get some of this other man's sheep. He said, you watch what they do. So I watched, and uh, finally they got enough water. And one of the shepherds walked back up the hill a ways, and he made this funny sound with his voice. It was kind of a unique sound. And all of a sudden, those sheep separated perfectly. And his sheep went with him, and these sheep stayed with that shepherd. It was perfect. You know why? Those sheep knew their shepherd's voice. If you are a child of God, truly, and He lives in you, and you're in Him, and you're abiding in Him, and you're living a crucified life, it's no longer I but live. I don't have to have my way. I don't have to have the last word. I don't have to be first. I don't have to be known. I don't even have to live. You clearly hear His voice because you have ears to hear. But if this world has your attention, you can't hear that still small voice. And you may be a Christian, but you're not a true disciple of Jesus Christ. And you can't be happy in that state until you come to that point where you say, I totally surrender all I know of me to all I know of God. Can you really and truly be a disciple? After a young African was martyred for his faith, this writing was found in his room. I'm part of the fellowship of the unashamed. The die has been cast. I have stepped over the line. The decision has been made. I am a disciple of Jesus Christ. I won't look back, let up, slow down, back away, or be still. My past is redeemed. My presence makes sense. 
My future is secure. I'm finished and done with low living, sight walking, smooth knees, colorless dreams, tame visions, worldly talking, cheap giving, dwarfed goals. My face is set, my gate is fast. My goal is heaven, my road is narrow. My way is rough, my companions are few. My guide is reliable. My mission is clear. I won't give up, shut up, let up until I have stayed up, stored up, and prayed up for the cause of Jesus Christ. I must go till he comes, give till I drop, preach till everyone knows, work till he stops me. And when he comes for his own, he will have no trouble recognizing me because my banner will have been clear. He was not handsome. He was not wealthy. He was not born in the United States of America. But he's in heaven now. And he heard those words, Well done, good and faithful servant. Will you be a man, woman, boy, or girl who lives and thinks that way? A crucified life. If you even for a skinny minute, split second, wonder, my wife, my husband, my children, my grandchildren, my pastor, if you do it, you're already made up your mind, you're not going to do this. I know that for a fact. You have to already, even now, be settled in your heart. From now on, that's the way I choose to live. Though none go with me, I will follow. I'm going to close with something. And that will be the end of our time together. I didn't want to say revival because that's up to the Lord. This is called a selfers prayer. You've heard of the sinner's prayer? Where people pray and ask Christ to come into their heart. This is what's called a selfers prayer. Written by a good friend of mine, Charles Solomon. And this is for someone who is a Christian who has decided I'm going to deny myself, take up the cross where I was crucified with Christ. I'm going to walk this way and I'm not looking back this way, period. It's called the selfish prayer. And this is how it goes. And remember, uh, at the bottom there's a place to sign it and date it. It says, Dear Father, this would be your prayer to Him. Dear Father, I recognize that I cannot live the Christian life in my own strength or out of my own resources. That I have been a selfer and a total failure in and of myself. Because of my inability to live the Christian life, I now give up on my self-sufficiency and do hereby commit my life unconditionally into your hands. And I choose to allow Christ to live His life through me. I give up my rights and expectations and give you permission to make me into the kind of person you want me to be as I make an absolute surrender to you. I believe your word that I, my old man, has been crucified with Christ. I believe I was buried with Christ and have been raised with Him to newness of life and am now seated in the heavenly places at the right hand of the Father, in Christ Jesus. Father, I choose as an act of my will to claim Christ as my life, my power, and my 
identity. I thank you that my identification with Christ makes me totally acceptable and that my need is met by Christ Jesus. I yield myself totally to the indwelling Christ as an act of obedience. Do with me whatever you choose. I am asking you to make your truth a reality in my experience. Glorify and manifest your Son in my life. I am trusting in you to do what I can't do. Quit what I can't quit. And most of all, to be what I can't be. I thank you for renewing my mind and healing damaged emotions as you transform my life and live your life through me. I thank you for saving me from sin and from my wicked self and for the victory which is now mine through Him. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to Abiding Above Ministries with Chris Hodges. If you would like Chris to speak at your church or event, please go to our website, abidingabove.org. God bless you and make you a blessing.